I'm Richard. And I'm Will. And together we're the, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds. Nerds. Bum, bum, bum. Nerds, I have some exciting news to share. We are now offering a monthly subscription service for our listeners. For the low price of $2.99 per month, subscribers will gain access to two bonus episodes and an invitation to a Zoom gathering. Additionally, subscribers who sign up for our email list are eligible to be entered into a monthly prize drawing. So what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the episode description today to get started. Nerds. Nerds. Nerdly people. Nerdly men. Nerdly women. Nerdly, nerdly persons. Ishi, theys, and thems, and assorted other pronouns. Welcome, welcome to the Irreverent Nerds podcast. I'm here with my esteemed co-host, Guillermo Tomas Boyer. And he's here with me, too. <laughs> That's good. You didn't leave yourself behind when you came over. Who? <laughs> you just said Guillermo is wi- here with you, <laughs> so you didn't leave Guillermo behind when you came over. I take Guillermo everywhere. <laughs> There's a little Hispanic man inside of Will. He takes him with him everywhere he goes. He holds my stuff for me. Behold, my name is Puss, and I wear boots. Yes, I do. Where is Shrek? We haven't done Shrek yet. Does that fit into one of our categories? From I suppose the categories? closest would be anime shun. Anime shun. Anime <laughs> shun. American animation is just Western anime, right? <laughs> Do you want some waffles? <laughs> that was a very bad Eddie Murphy. <laughs> uh, I'm better at Antonio Banderas than Eddie Murphy, I'm, I must say. Oh, was that Antonio, Antonio Banderas? Oh yeah, man, he does puss and boots. Wow, you did not, you did not know this. Wasn't he the guy from uh, Princess Bride? No, no, no. no. I am no, confused. that was uh, Manny Patinkin. Okay, a a Jewish man who was for some reason playing an Hispanic man. Oh, I guess he looked Hispanic enough, kind of like the. The main, but you killed his the main, her to die. I cannot think of her name right now. But the the woman from Aliens, she's very buff, and she's one of the soldiers. Oh yeah, you know, Mon- not Montoya. No, that's Batman. Batman. Vasquez, Vasquez. I think it's Vasquez. And but she was a Jewish woman. The actress was a Jewish woman, but she played a Hispanic woman in a movie. Because if you look close enough, like Oscar Isaac, you know, you know, he once played. Joseph of Ar- no, not Arimathea. <laughs> Joseph, the husband of Mary. Uh, and yet he is Hispanic himself from South America, I think, or his parents. Anyway. We got on to talk about Star Wars visions, but it is already es- escalated, spiraling downward. Spiraling. Yes. Spiraling. I can tell that this is going to be one of those podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to do something weird for the opening, you know what I mean? Because we, we are, or something slightly irreverent you know it's like is it appropriate for me to do an hispanic accent I, as far as i know i have no hispanic blood in me 
whatsoever. You, you're married then. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> My wife is of, of Puerto Rican descent on her father's side. So I, I did kind of marry in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I am primarily Scottish. I'm 35% Scottish according to Ancestry DNA. And 8% Norwegian. I don't know what a Norwegian accent is like. Do you know? Uh, some character from Frozen, from Pixar, I guess. Oh, <laughs> they're Pixar, Disney Animation Studios. Get your Disney straight. Pixar is a separate entity, sort you of. Know, I thought Pic- Disney Pixar did Frozen. They didn't. Pixar was not involved. No, they weren't. No, John Lasseter might have an executive producer credit because he's the head of Disney Animation Studios. Like when they sold Pixar to Disney or however that worked out I think part of the deal was that John Lasseter became the head of their entire animation studio um, so like you'll see his name on all the Disney animation you know like Tangled Frozen 1 and 2 Bolt you know stuff like that Brave well no Brave was Pixar so like but you have some properties that are Pixar and some that are Disney animation studios I guess I just assumed that everything 3D and CGI was Pixar my bad you got to keep up with it, William. You got to keep up with it. All right, so we're here to talk about Star Wars visions. There is, you know, there is a Scottish man in Star Wars, but actually maybe two. It was Alec Guinness. Was he Scottish? I don't remember. I know Ewan McGregor is. But of course he has to speak in a British accent when he's playing Obi-Wan. You in the Gallagher space, Jesus? Wouldn't that be cool though if if he got if he had used his his regular accent to play Obi Wan? I guess that wouldn't have fit with Alec Guinness's portrayal, but no, you know, he's just like hello there, hello, <laughs> hello there. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some haggis? Let's fight. Well, I guess they could just explain that he changed his voice when he went into hiding. <laughs> Sorry, you know, he, he hung out with a Scottish roommate and it brought back the accent from the old country. Anyway, Ooh. Star Wars. So, the Star Wars visions is what we're here to talk about. Um, and primarily, I mean, this is anime week and we're talking about both seasons and we're going to emphasize two episodes specifically, one from season one. Uh, Will, that's kind of be kind of your, yes. your, I don't know what the right word is. I'm, what we, I'm, Bailiwick is coming to mind, but that's not, Bailiwick. that doesn't quite work. Anyway, Will has chosen an episode from the first season, uh, Toby or T-O-B-1. And I have chosen an episode from the second season, Sith. So we're going to, we're going to kind of hone in on those two episodes, but we are going to talk about the series more generally. And we have visited this once before in Irreverent Nerds history, um, I did a sci-fi focus segment on it uh, last year after seeing season one. But that's only like maybe eight, ten minutes long. Oh, okay. So we've never done a full episode. And this series is pretty awesome, I think. Yeah. So I believe it deserves a full episode. So here we are, Anime Week, to talk about Star Wars Visions. Now, when it came to me to suggest to you that we do Star Wars Visions, did you already make that conclusion separately for me because it seemed like you did yeah i was already thinking about it as an option because i'd I'd started watching season two because it just it came out on may the 4th may the 4th be with you um 
which we didn't do anything special for that day, and we should have. We missed that boat. Missed it. But here we are, you know, a few days later, you know, doing Star Wars. We should have done a Mandalorian Mandalorian bonus episode. I think that's what we should have done. Ooh. We still can. We, we still, still can. can. Season three was awesome, by the way. If you haven't seen it yet, stream it now. Stream it now. <laughs> so, uh, sadly, my Disney Plus subscription just ran out, and I didn't get to finish season three. I maybe I don't know how many episodes season three is, but I've seen a number of the episodes at least. I think it's ten. I believe it stopped. I think it's ten. Yeah, I believe they all stop at ten. Um, yeah, man. I tell you, man, go monthly. You know, get one more month. Cool. Seven ninety nine. You know, or do a month of the that. Disney bundle or whatever, and uh, and finish it. Yeah, finish it. No. Sorry, Mortal Kombat reference. Finish him. Finish him. <laughs> so, Star Wars Visions, what the heck is it? If, if you don't know much about it, if you've just scrolled past it when you saw it on Disney+, Plus, and you're like, eh, let me tell you a little bit about it. So, Star Wars Visions is an animated anthology series created for the American streaming service, of course, Disney+, Plus, produced by Lucasfilm, because it's Star Wars, duh. Uh, the series consists of original animated short films set in or inspired by the Star Wars universe, with each episode being a self-contained narrative produced by a non-American studio. Now, in the first the first season, um, they entirely they went to uh, Japanese studios only right. in the first season. They have since expanded to other countries and studios from other countries, with the exception of America, obviously. In the second season, uh, but yeah, the first season was like straight up Japanese anime slash animation studio. I mean, what's the difference between anime and animation? It's just, you know, nomenclature, right? Big word, big word. Um, I'm I'd, going to say yes because I don't know what you just said. Well, I know, I know popularly anime refers to um, primarily hand-drawn animated films and shorts and things like that, TV shows that come out of Japan. I'm sure some of them are animated on the computer, but probably still hand-drawn in many cases with, you know, Wacom tablets or whatever the equivalent is in the... Um, you would know better than I would in the animation in industry. Oh, right. Um, like, how would they do cell animation? Like, you can do hand-drawn in the computer with CGI elements, but if there's a mixture of the two, like... I don't know if you keep up to date with current tech and what that's like. Well... It is embarrassing to say, since I went to animation college, that I cannot tell you with any degree of accuracy how things are animated today, but if I were to take a stab in the dark, I'd say that it really depends on the studio. Uh, we'll get to it later, but I was researching the studio that did the episode I'll be talking about, and they do a mixture of traditional and digital. Um, and I assume that to be the case with other animation studios that they do their own thing. Um, as far as I know, or at least what I was taught in college, uh, if that is to be an indication of any kind, I would say that Westerners probably will draw on a Cintiq Wacom tablet into Toon Boom or some similar program. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure there's many 
tricks of the trade, and obviously there is often, you know, in, at least in many of the anime films that I've seen, going back to even Ghost in the Shell, there's a mixture. Uh, I think that was one of the oldest ones that I have seen to date. But there's a there's a mixture even in that one in nine, from 95 of CGI and uh, hand-drawn animation and um now that i think the remake not remake they like they sort they sort of like i don't even know what the right word is remastered re made ghost in the shell they call it ghost in the shell 2.0 it was basically the same story but then they put a lot more cgi in it for some reason uh, i was like that was unnessary why george lucas did it's like why <laughs> why did you need to do that the first film was gorgeous didn't need to be changed, but maybe they just wanted to play around with the tech, aka. You know, I don't know. Or no, not aka, but like similar to George Lucas. Like he, you know, people, filmmakers like George Lucas or like James Cameron. I feel like they're as interested in advancing the the technology and experimenting with different techniques as they are with continuing a story. Will forgot to turn his notifications off. Yeah, let me. Let me do that now. <laughs> I think I forgot to do mine too what we get we, we need one of those those little vit you know videos like you see in the theater um like the like this is annoying this is obnoxious this is illegal <laughs> please please silence your device oh yeah the popcorn sounds <laughs> it's the same well, one sound. i've seen for over a decade it's been the same yeah at least in the theaters i go to around here like the same little blip. I this think they've been showing that for at least twenty years now. I know it's like it ends with like Eminem in a hoodie or something, like trying to <laughs> pir- pirate a movie with his uh, smartphone. And that weird, no- <laughs> that weird noise, that weird popping, clicking. I d- I don't even know how how to describe it. Uh, how they made that noise. Yeah, it's so g- supposed to be popcorn, I guess, slash Coca Cola bubbles or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking bubbles, but. Bubbles don't make bubbles, that noise. Bubbles, I don't bubbles, know. Bubbles. It gives me that image in my head, though. Maybe bubbles. they do it at a microscopic level. Not microscopic. At a, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. All right, back to Star Wars Visions. <laughs> uh, all right, so the premise behind Star Wars Visions, you know, with it being a collection of these animated short films, that it, is that it's presented through the lens of the world's best anime creators. That was the first volume. And... Now, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Will, your viewing of the first season is, is more fresh. So, like, what are your initial reactions to Volume 1? Well, I really liked it. Um, and, and we were saying this earlier. Uh, I thought this whole series was anime. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know Season 2 dropped. Um, I just saw it, and I was like, let's finally watch that. But uh, I really loved season one. Uh, I chose the episode Toby or T O B one to talk about this time around. But but really, there are a lot of strong episodes here. Episodes that are much stronger than that one. Uh, the first episode reminds me of the old Kurosawa films, um, like Yojimbo or what is it, The Hidden Castle? I forget. Um, oh, you mean Hal's Moving Castle? No, no, no. no I'm no, no, talking no. about a. A oh, sorry. Kurosawa film. I, I checked out there for a second and came back at the wrong time. No. 
That's okay. So those were live action films, right? In black and white from yes, fifty sixties. Is that time range? I don't remember, but that's probably correct. I know. I know that the Magnificent Seven that yeah, was that made here in America them. was based off of the Seven Samurai, right? So it had yeah, to be part of that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That. The Seven Samurai, not the Magnificent Seven. Sorry. Yeah, the the Seven Samurai. I think that was one of the Kurosawa films as well. I believe so. I believe so. But yeah, just a lot of strong episodes. Um, some of them are complete reimaginings of the Star Wars mythos. Some of them actually appear to fall into continuity somewhere. Um, I really, really enjoyed a lot of these episodes. I enjoyed the Ninth, the Ninth Jedi. I enjoyed the Elder. Um, those, those are two of my highlights, uh, from season one. What did you think? Yeah, I think actually I'd, I'd agree with you. Both of those were very strong episodes. Um, I also enjoyed the duel and, uh, and I did, I did also enjoy T.O.B. T.O.B. one. It was very different. Like it was kind of a, uh, the art style was just very different. So it was like a. I don't know what they're a break in the the pattern, I guess you will. Yeah. But no, I did I did really I did enjoy that one as well. But yeah, I think the narratively I think the two, like the Elder, the Ninth Jedi, and then probably the duel are probably the three strongest from the uh from the first season. And I love how it does like tie like you said, like tie in with the samurai feeling, which obviously George Lucas you know, was inspired by in many ways. Oh, definitely. In his creation of the Jedi. And, and especially with the duel, the black and white episode, um, I think it's come full circle since George Lucas was inspired by the Kurosawa films uh, somewhat when he made Star Wars. So, uh, with uh, the episode, uh, I forget what the number... The number episode number is but toby t-o-b-1 uh what strike me immediately from this episode was that it reminded me of astro boy uh it was not created by any studio that worked on astro boy but i think the animators were probably inspired by osama tetsuka's work or at least it seems to appear that way to me it also reminds me a little bit of the old mega man animation um when I say animation, I mean art style uh, with Dr. Light and whatnot, uh, which is very fitting for, both are very fitting for this episode. It features a s- scientist who is secretly a Jedi who has built a robot boy, and this robot boy dreams of becoming a Jedi one day. Um, this is not the strongest episode in season one, but it's the episode I have the most to say about, I think. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Astro Boy's original name was Toby, if I'm not mistaken, in Osama Tetsuko's, excuse me, Osama Tetsuko, I am murdering this guy's last, this guy's name. (laughs) Anyway, in his work, in Osama's work, um, Osama. Samu. 
I wish we could edit this out. Anyway, in his work, uh, Toby died, and then the scientist's father creates Astro Boy in the image of his son. But in T.O.B. 1 from Star Wars Vision, uh, it's kind of the flip. It flips that. It seems that the robot, T.O.B. 1, he gets renamed Toby later on in the episode. Uh, and at this point, it seems that he can start using the Force. Um, he can start wielding a lightsaber. And in his imagination, he becomes a real boy. So, like I said, it kind of flips that narrative. Uh, instead of a real boy becoming a robot, it's a robot becoming a real boy. And I have questions about that. I have questions how a robot or droid can wield the force. But well, you these are a real boy. Ha ha ha! It's a miracle. Obviously, these anthology episodes don't have to adhere to any sort of Star Wars universe can can on continuity. Yeah, like it's it's either it doesn't necessarily have to take place in a canonical part of the universe, but it's it's definitely inspired by you know. So I don't I don't think any any characters that at least that I'm aware of. Obviously, there's a lot of Star Wars characters, and and in the expanded universe, there's even more. Um, but I did not recognize names in any of the the visions, which, which I like that actually. I, I like that. I like. That. Nerds, we would love to find out who is on the other side of the microphone. There are multiple options by which you can connect with us. Our Instagram handle is at irreverent underscore nerds. We are on Facebook and YouTube as simply The Irreverent Nerds. Makes sense, right? And of course, we are on your podcast app. If you listen on Spotify, scroll down through the episode description and you will see a question. What did you think of this episode? We welcome your feedback, including your constructive criticism. We also post episode-specific polls and questions from time to time on Spotify, so please feel free to jump in and give us your two cents. All right, nerds, I've talked enough. Let's get back to this week's episode. That it takes place kind of in the, the Star Wars universe, if you will, but it, it doesn't say have a direct connection to existing storylines. Um, I like that. By the way, um, we were talking earlier about whom you were trying to figure out who voiced... TOV yeah. one. Yeah, I just uh, wanted to bring that up too. Yeah, so it's uh, Masako Nazawa, an uh, almost eighty-year-old Japanese woman, or no, eighty-seven-year-old Japanese woman. <laughs> Are you sure you're not? No, reading no. The Japanese credits. Um, it. I don't think they. This doesn't have Japanese credits. I don't think. Oh really? It wasn't translated into Jap- Japanese. I'm. I mean, I'm sure it was, but. Huh. <clears throat> Yeah, I was just wondering if it was the same voice actor or actress that voiced Aang from Last Airbender, because it just, I thought I recognized the voice, but I guess, I'm not sure who voiced Aang. She doesn't come up, but there is a reason you recognize her voice. She has done Son Goku for many, many, many years in Dragon Ball Z. So that's probably why you recognize her voice. Wait. Is she... Probably in the Japanese 
I would think. Well, though I don't know. I would I would think so. I'm all sorts of confused right now. I didn't know that she could speak English if that that is the case. Apparently so, like like unless they did like I'm not aware of them. I mean, I'm sure they did a Japanese dub. I would, you know. I'm ju- I'm just going to look this up right quick since I'm so confused. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. She does the Japanese version. So, so they did actually cast a young boy named Jaden Waldman. Yeah. Uh, who is not play Aang. He's too young to have played Aang in the Airbender series. Yeah, who 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 did you say played Aang? That I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, Anyway, sorry for the misdirection there, but yes, you are correct that she did it, the voice in the Japanese version and has also done the voice of Son Goku. And I think Zach even maybe even talked about that. Like he preferred, like when we did the Dragon Ball Z episode, preferred the English dub to the Japanese because the, there was a woman who did Goku's voice. <laughs> I think I got you off track there. Yeah, I'm looking at the voice actors that played Aang and... I'm confused because they have two different kids, apparently, who voice Aang, but neither one of them are the boy from uh, T.O.B. 1, so we'll just leave that alone. Um, Anyway, yes, my train of thought has been derailed, but uh, I will come back now. Okay, so T.O.B. 1, Toby... Where did he even get that kyber crystal? It's like, use the force, and all of a sudden the kyber crystal comes out of thin air and just flies into the lightsaber. That was a weird part, but, you know, obviously they didn't have a lot of time for this episode since it was just a short one one episode well, of the I, anthology. So that was sort of a vision. So my assumption was that it was already in the lightsaber, and oh. that's what the Jedi was... Because when he told him there was a kyber crystal somewhere on the the planet he didn't know at that point like tob one did not know at that point that his master was a jedi or his creator was a jedi or that he had a lightsaber um but my assumption was it was already in the lightsaber and and then that's more of like just a you know like he envisions himself as a boy there when he's talking to basically his his creator's force ghost and um but that's not actually happening in of space and space and time so to speak you know, he comes out of the vision and he's still still a, a robot, basically. I did understand that as symbolic, but that's a good point. Being that the father scientist was a Jedi, it probably was already in the lightsaber. That makes sense. So, are you ready to talk about your episode or Sure. Yeah, we can we can get to that. I've run out of things. Oh, wait. No, I haven't run out of things to say. Sorry. Okay. No, uh, you're good. What else this, are you going to say? This episode was produced by Science Saru, which uh, translated to English as Science Monkey. The uh, animation team that uh, this is chose this name because the science part speaks of the intelligence required to do animation, while Saru Monkey uh, speaks of the instinct uh when it comes to artwork, you know, using your instincts. Um, and they, uh, 
I, I looked into the other things they've done, and they did some anime and whatnot that I'm not familiar with. But they also did some things I am familiar with. I haven't taken the time to watch the exact episodes that they animated, but I thought it was interesting that they did an episode of Adventure Time, uh, which I believe comes on the Cartoon Network, as well as... Uh, an episode, a few pilot, a few pilot episodes, I think, or something like that, from OK Go, We Can Be Heroes, which I I saw the Sonic crossover of that show, um, so I haven't seen a whole lot of episodes of either one of those shows, but I'm familiar, I'm at least a little familiar with them, so I thought that was interesting. Um, they definitely have a cartoony art style, and I read that, um, like I said earlier, they combine traditional hand drawings scan them into the computer and then redraw them um digitally if if i understood correctly uh you can find out more about science saru on their wikipedia page apparently they've been heavily involved in an ongoing series called summer camp island i see a lot of credits oh. for them for that which I'm, I'm not familiar with that I don't know if that's a. Yeah, I'm not. Oh, it's on Cartoon Car- Cartoon Network as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, which I do not have because I have not had cable since I was a teenager. <laughs> Actually, I, I take that back. I did have YouTube TV briefly uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I was going through a football season, trying to do as many free trials of. Like I think I did Fubo TV and YouTube TV, so for very briefly had, I think I did Spectrum as well. Uh, I wouldn't ran the full gamut. Um, so yeah, so that's the closest I've gotten to cable since I was in high school. <laughs> did uh, do you still have HBO Max? I do not. I do okay. not. Yeah, I just had it for the I think the one month. And, uh, yeah, currently I do not. Like I'm trying not to spend too much money on on streaming services. Yeah. Uh, Currently, I've got Hulu, Apple TV Plus, and Paramount Plus are the only ones I'm paying for currently. Um, I'll probably be cam- canceling Paramount Plus soon, just just because Picard's already finished. As much as I want to see the uh, some of the other series too, it's like trying to like okay, are there ongoing series that are coming out with new episodes that I want to see? It's like uh, we'll probably let go of Apple TV Plus after uh, Ted Lasso finishes. Actually, no, I think it did finish. Darn it. So yeah, I probably need to let that one go. Anyway, that's typically what we do. If there's which I imagine I imagine that's what a lot of people are doing now is like with streaming is like when if there's a series that's coming up, which obviously the the streaming service is trying to compete, they're trying to always have something interesting, you know, to keep you or bring you back. Um, you know, so there's a lot of competition, which is resulting in some really cool shows. Um, but yeah, it, it also is resulting in consumer overload for me sometimes was like that's oh, too yeah. much oh like, yeah I, I don't have time to watch all the things that are interesting <laughs> it's like how do you pick but i hear you i hear you that's why i canceled my disney plus subscription and uh who knows maybe i'll cancel hulu next but paramount plus is paid for for the next year yeah well there you go i know where to go to watch star trek <laughs> <laughs> come to your house yeah that's right <laughs> But yeah, I think uh, Cartoon Network was, or at least used to be on HBO Max. Uh, they had a bunch of Cartoon Network stuff on there hmm. at one point. I imagine Hulu probably has some too, I wouldn't think. Maybe? I don't know. 
Well, Hulu is owned by Disney. Yeah. And I don't think Disney owns Cartoon Network. No, no, but Hulu has a lot of, they have a lot of things on there that are not Disney properties. They've just, oh, okay. You know, because Hulu was a streaming service long before Disney bought them. So, so they still have, that's a good point, series from other creators. Um, yeah, not Disney properties only. Uh, now, I've heard, apparently, I think by the end of this year or sometime early next year, yeah, uh, Disney Plus and Hulu are going to combine into a single app. I don't know what it's going to be called, but... Yeah, I heard um, about that. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, streamline it. Um, just one price instead of having to get a bundle or having to get two different things. There is even some crossover currently on programming. There's some that are on both currently. Yeah, my wife and I have been watching a small light about the, um, it's a histor- historical drama about, shoot, Anne Frank. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and I think that's on both of the platforms. Yeah, I think so. I've seen it advertised. I haven't watched any episodes, but I've seen it, seen the banner at least, and I think I've heard it advertised on Spotify, actually. On um, Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, cool. Did you have any more to say about TOB1 before we move on to the next episode? No, no, I believe I'm done. Cool. Well, the episode that I wanted to feature, which I I have not made it all the way through volume two, but I've made it through the first five episodes. And uh, I think the one, I think the one that overall, like emotionally, artistically was the most intriguing to me was, was the first one actually, Sith. Um, you know, the next two episodes were, like, on an emotional level. I mean, all the episodes are great. You know, it's hard to pick one, but this one was just so distinctive in its art style. Um, like, it starts out as almost a, not quite black and white, but almost the black and white palette. Just, like, very, like, I'm going to talk a lot about the art. But uh, first, let me give a little synopsis here. So, the the basic premise or plot is that a former Sith apprentice leading a peaceful but isolated life, is confronted by the past when her old master tracks her down. So essentially, it, it, it starts with our protagonist, you know, being approached by her her droid, and she is sleeping, and you get the distinct impression she's having nightmares. And I would, I would imagine, I've never thought about this, but I would imagine for Force-sensitive people... And their their dreams would probably be a heck of a lot more intense, and they'd probably be like connected to the force sometimes, and like have like premonitions and whatnot, or, or like yeah, like I can only imagine that would be pretty wacky. <laughs> force <laughs> dreams, yeah, force dreams. I think she was having a PTSD episode myself. But oh yeah, like I'm assuming she's probably had killed some people, and like as part of her like Sith training, and then. Then you know they don't go into detail about why she left, and it's not really necessary. I mean, it's a short film, essentially, six, like sixteen minutes long, so it's not really necessary to get into that detail. Just you know, you and initially, like, because um, I just went ahead and watched it. I didn't read the synopsis, so I didn't know she was a former Sith at first. Like when I first watched it, uh, you find that out as the episode goes along. Uh, obviously, the synopsis gives it away if you read that first. <laughs> But um, but yeah. So I, I I didn't know that. I was I was surprised. Um, but they give little that hints. They give little hints, you know, creeping up to it uh, as you as you go along. Um, but you're not sure for a while within the episode. You know, if you watch it, you know, just straight up, no, 
no preview or anything, no. And um, so she she is living on a planet that seems mostly deserted, and uh, she's in some kind of abandoned facility that's that's still operational, or either that, or she's brought it back to being operational enough for her to live there with a droid, and some kind of food processor system that she has, and it seems like she spends her days like trying, like you said, trying to recover, um, you know, probably suffering from some level of PTSD, but she's also trying to create art. Yeah. And, uh, which actually is a, a good way of dealing with PTSD. Like a lot oh, of, for a lot of people, that's, that's part of the healing process. That's a good point. And, um, so Interesting. like, she is like in in a way processing probably you know what she's been through and and through artistic expression and she's painting and it seems like she's also using the force in that painting like using the force to manipulate paints and uh the way they animated it is is very beautiful like um but the the color palette and the way they express color in this episode i really enjoyed and um yeah, I, I think I have a little bit more of an appreciation for art over the years. Is I mean, I've both gotten been friends with you, but also my wife, you know, is a professional artist, and um, so I've picked up a few things, you know, over the years. Uh, but what's really cool is like they they use the style. It reminded me, honestly, I don't know if it, I don't know if you got this vibe from it. Um, it reminded me of Into the Spider Verse, oh. uh, just a little bit with um some of the. I don't know how to explain it. Like with the droid, I think to some degree with with the characters as well. It, it's like it's weird. It, it it's like the characters are moving, but the 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 coloring stands still. It's the texture of the color stands still. So it's like as they're moving, you know, somehow the um, the texture is is. I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's just very unique. Um, it's like Stan from Monkey Island in his plaid vest. Some people will understand that reference. <laughs> uh, it's been so long since I played it. I'm 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 rusty on that on the Stan references. Um, but yeah, the uh, you're saying the texture doesn't move, but the characters yeah, it's do. Like, you see Very it in particular trippy. with the droid, like as the droid is like pivoting at one point, it's like there's an under there's an underlying color of the droid that you know remains constant, but then there's like an overlaying texture, like a texture overlay that's just like fixed on that spot of the screen. But as the droid is rotating, like the texture stays in in place, even though the droid is rotating. Like you normally think, like if you see a texture on that and the character is rotating, you would expect the texture to rotate as the character rotates, right? You know, yeah. I mean, and on a fixed point on the character's body, but in this case, it doesn't. It just hangs there in space and the character's body's rotating, so you have the underlying color that goes with it, but then the texture stays there and it, it gives us an extra feeling of movement uh, within <clears throat> within the coloring. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and then you, you see little touches, which which I'm pretty sure this was done on computer. I mean, that seems pretty obvious. Oh, yeah. Um, but they had nice little touches of of texture where like for instance um and i'm trying to think if they ever say her name but yeah okay. I, I lola this so lola's the name trippy. of the main character but her hair 
has like paintbrush strokes in it. You can see, oh. like it's it's pretty cool, and you'll see a few of those pop up um, in other places. Um, but an, another artistic element that um, did you have anything you wanted to add on the coloring before I move on to the next? No, I just found this episode very trippy. I was confused a few times. I mean, uh, it seems that you understood it a lot better than I did. This was the second time I watched it as well, but but yeah, it did it did resonate with me. Um, I I guess I I got the metaphor, which doesn't mean everybody has to necessarily, but um, but like the okay, where was it? So artistically, um, the music was also gorgeous, like done by Dan Levy, who is normally a stand-up comedian, but for some reason is like dabbling in film composing. <laughs> or like, oh. I, I don't know how that works, but on, on Spotify, there's both stand-up comedy from this guy, and then he has a, and then he has the soundtrack for this episode. <laughs> Just randomly, I was like, "Oh, okay." So it's the hey, same guy. It's uh, not two different people. Apparently, oh. uh, according to Spotify, anyway. Um, uh, that's interesting, but yeah, gorgeous, um, gorgeous music on, on this, very atmospheric, and then, uh, yeah, it, it it pulls you in. Like I, I find myself listening to it afterwards, just enjoying the music itself, and um, it kind of. The episode itself and and the, just the whole the whole thing like inspired me to write, actually. So I was listening to the soundtrack while I was writing a story of my own, nice. just kind of getting a little short story started myself. Um, it's like to me that that's like some of the best art is like when it inspires you to go out and make more art. Like that's that's pretty cool, I think. Um, but kind of the heart of the story is like as you're getting to know you're seeing that in her art she she's trying to keep darkness out of it she's trying to keep you know black paint essentially or darkness out of it but it keeps popping up and and she's frustrated with that um and then kind of this is like a a, a metaphor for that her former master shows up so he's very much a representation of the darkness like a, a Sith Lord uh, who was training her, who, to whom she had made commitments, you know, to be his apprentice. And he comes and she has to first fight his, he has a couple of robot henchmen that she has to fight. She defeats both of them with the help of her droid. And then he comes in and, and fights, uh, incapacitates her droid, and it's just her and him inside the facility there. And, you know, they have a pretty intense battle. And the turning point in the battle, you know, at one point he force pushes her back into a wall and he just, he's like taking his time. Like he's not rushing. He's not overly aggressive, but he's very calculating in his movements. And <clears throat> he also doesn't necessarily want to kill her. Like he's, right. he's hoping to win her back to the dark side, you know, so he's not there to kill her necessarily unless he has to. Well, as a Sith master, I think he had an agenda. Yeah. Like he... He's hoping to bring her back. I imagine his thinking was like, he's hoping to bring her back, and if he can't, he's going to kill her. Because she could be a threat at some point, because she's had training and stuff. Um, and in, in the interim, since leaving, like, she was able to construct her own lightsaber. Um, but getting back to the turning point in the fight, she, like, as she's there, um, you see... 
I don't know if this is supposed to be a metaphor or if it was like literal paint within the episode itself, but like you see the these little paint circles floating in front of her again and, and they're black representing the darkness. And then she has this epiphany as she, as she's sitting there preparing for the next stage of the fight. She's like, the light and the darkness are both there, you know, both inside of me. That was the point of the narrative that really struck me. Yeah, which I think it's supposed to. That's like yeah. the, the. You, know, you had the the rise in conflict, and you had the the climax. I guess that'd be the climax of the episode. Um, the realization, and as she, it's like she comes to peace with the fact that there's both light and darkness inside of her, and they're both a part of her, you know. And and I think this is the idea that is in a lot of Star Wars: the idea of balance to the Force. You know, there's a yin and a yang. There's a light and a dark. You know, even though there's a constant fight between the two, one will never eradicate the other. In a sense, like right. I think this idea is pretty, pretty um, pretty much a through line through a lot of of Star Wars properties and and stories. I think this is the first character that truly embodies balance. Normally, the balance is simply the Jedi and the Sith balancing each other out, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I really liked that that point. Because, um, yeah, you don't see that. as Even though, obviously, you have your heroes like your Luke Skywalker or your or, or Rey or, or even... I mean, the Mandalorian is not Force-sensitive, you know. But they have to struggle with some internal darkness, but the idea is that they conquer it. Um, so it's not necessarily the same as like accepting it, per se. So yeah, I kind of liked that. And I love her lightsaber. Did you notice that? Yeah, like when right after, well, obviously she's already made it that way, and maybe didn't even understand why she had. But um, like after, after reaching this epiphany, she then turns on the other blade, and she has a two-bladed lightsaber. But they're two different right. colors. It was yellow, and I'm trying to remember what the other color was. Did you catch it? The red? Uh, I can't remember, but I thought the other side represented her light side. The yellow represented her dark side. Well, that's that's what I assumed anyway when I saw it. Either way, it's like there's, in a sense, two different parts to her. The light and the dark are both there. And when she realizes that and brings the saber, you know, to this, then she, she charges... And she's able to kill her former master. And um, she makes some kind of fatal wound, but then he kind of just fades away. Like if, if you were to cross Obi-Wan's death with um, the Avengers Infinity War, you know, after Thanos snaps his fingers and everybody just like kind of look like that. Or he just like fades into right. dust. <laughs> here, I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about the Irreverent Nerds. They're sitting here in my hideout, all tied up, uh, so they can't say this themselves, but they would like you to know that there are multiple options by which you can connect with them. Their Instagram handle is at Irreverent underscore nerds. They're on Facebook and YouTube as simply the Irreverent Nerds. Ugh, so pedantic. And of course, they are on your podcast app. 
if you listen on Spotify, scroll down and you will see a question. What did you think of this episode? They welcome your feedback, or so they told me. They also post episode-specific polls and questions from time to time, so please feel free to jump in and give them your two cents while they're still alive. (laughs) All right, nerds, I've talked enough. Let's get back to this week's episode. It might be their last. typical um star wars force ghost i mean obi-wan literally just disappears from his his uh outfit i always wondered about that yeah it's like i still think darth vader didn't actually kill him i think he it's like did he commit suicide like i don't know how that works exactly he's just like he just decided to transcend into being a force ghost and like whoop, he's gone <laughs> i don't know maybe but maybe that was just a they didn't have the special effects to do it properly so you just saw you know a cut and then a clothes falling to the ground (laughs) (laughs) well i didn't see george lucas go back with his crayons on that scene so it must be to his liking (laughs) true true yeah when he went back into the remasters um added cgi stuff but um you know you this isn't too important but you remember one of the big things about the Sith is that the Masters want the apprentices to kill them. Yeah, that's like the thing. It's like you, how you rise, you ascend, you, you kill your Master. So yeah. I guess like you said, the Master was hoping to win her back to the dark side if uh, she killed him. But it suppose it didn't work. Yeah, at the end he's like, you have done well, my apprentice. You are now the Sith Master. She's like, I am no Sith. I will chart my own path. Which is, I think, is very interesting since in official Star Wars media, it's like the Jedi can kill everybody except for the Sith. Because if you kill a Sith, then you're a Sith. <laughs> like, <laughs> oops. Um, Sorry, Obi Wan. Well, I guess he didn't kill Anakin, so technically. Well, the, the Emperor was like... Chopped his legs off, though. Oh, true. <laughs> Obi-Wan? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, I'm just... Maybe it's a point of Star Wars that doesn't make sense. The Emperor was trying to get Luke Skywalker to kill him. Fuel the hate. Let the hate flow through you. Yeah, or at least to let the dark side take over. Yeah. Like, to give in to his desire to kill him. And then, uh, in the sequel trilogy... The same emperor um, was trying to get Ray to kill him, but she just deflects some lightning back at him. Yeah, it's like, so he kills himself. Kill Spoiler me, alert. kill me, so that I have clones in waiting anyway. That's a solid point right there. <laughs> I guess he was supposed to be the the last and greatest clone, ugly as sin. Right. <laughs> I always thought that Plagueis the Great taught uh, Palpatine how to send his soul into whoever killed him, like the Sith that killed him, mm. so that he possesses the apprentice. Mm. And I always thought that... Why Emperor, didn't Plagueis do that with him? <laughs> well, I think he did. I always thought that Emperor Palpatine actually was Plagueis the Great, or, uh-huh. or Wise, or whatever she's called, but... 
But that's getting into Star Wars theory and mm. the sequel trilogies. Um, have may you ever have heard un- the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise? You won't hear it from a Jedi. I mean, I assumed based on theories I've read that that was how he survived his death in Episode Six. Here's a question. Did Base Window Windu really die when he fell out the window? <laughs> it seems unlikely. Because, <laughs> yeah, good, you know, unless he was killed by the Force Lightning, the dude was powerful enough he could have stopped his own fall, I would think. Yeah. Right? You know, like, arm, arm, even though his hands were both gone, you know, it's like, hey, just get robot hands like Anakin and Luke, you know, why not? Um, I think I have heard some rumors that Mace might come back. That would I be have pretty. That would be pretty cool. Like if if yeah, Samuel L. Jackson pops back up as Mace, but then it's like, well, where has he been all these years? Was he hiding on a planet like Yoda? Like, <laughs> cowardly you are, scared of the Emperor, you must be. <laughs> I too am. <laughs> <laughs> I was practicing that laugh earlier <laughs> <laughs> for no no particular reason. Just came up. Good old Frank Oz. You know, you, you hear a little bit of Miss Piggy in there when he laughs like that. Like, <laughs> and a little bit of Grover, too, honestly. <laughs> oh, really? The yeah, he did, he did Grover's voice as well, Frank <laughs> Frank Oz. And and Fozzie, I think, also. I think he did Fozzie. Wow. Yeah, Fozzie, Miss Piggy, Grover. I'm trying to remember who I've else. And, and some other voices, today. too. I mean, you, you got to multitask when you're in Jim Henson Studios. But yeah, good old Frank Oz. Nice. Hello. Yeah, just watch Sesame Street again sometime and remember that Grover is voiced by the same guy who did Yoda. You know, <laughs> it's like, nice. Hello, kids. Welcome to Sesame Street. <laughs> I can hear it now. <laughs> yes. You're doing a very good impression. I'm not sure who did the Cookie Monster. I don't think the Cookie Monster was Frank Oz. Cookie. Cookie. <laughs> no nom, 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 nom. Me want cookies. Wait, did the Cookie Monster was was the Cookie Monster voiced by the same person who voiced Animal on the drums? Mm, could be. I know they had a lot of crossover between Sesame Street and the Muppet Show, Muppet movies, and stuff. I think a lot of the same uh, players, if you will, puppeteers. I mean, you know, how many excellent puppeteers are there out there? You know what I mean? Like, who can also do voice acting while they're puppeteering? You know what I mean? So uh, they used that cast a lot. True. Um, I'm not sure if the guy who does Elmo has done any others, you know. But yeah, <laughs> Elmo is sad. Okay, uh, that was butcher. <laughs> Never mind. Strike uh, that from the record. And by the way, you meet his parents on newer Sesame Street. My kids are have watched some of the newer episodes, and, and you get to meet Elmo's parents finally. And um, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> you guys got that that for free. Dad probably looks just like Elmo, except in a suit and a tie. No, a actually. Um, they look more like... Uh, oh, darn. Cannot think of the character's name. Uh, he's been in Sesame Street since the since the 80s, at least. He's a purple character. He's always anxious. Uh, he's got kind of like a cone head going on. I cannot think of his name right now. Um, but Elmo's parents look more like him. Was um. Elmo adopted? <laughs> Elmo adopted? You do mm. that. Much I can't. Better. I can't do very. 
could Elmo voice. And that's probably a good thing. Better My wife me. would be very creeped out by that. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I just noticed that. Uh, so getting back to the the Star Wars episode, the um, the woman who voiced Lola, her name is Ursula. <laughs> Ursula Cobero. Or, excuse me, Cobero. Ursula Cobero. Cobero. I'm going to refrain from a Little Mermaid joke simply because I cannot do any voices. And such unfortunate souls. Creepiest song montage ever <laughs> in a Disney movie. I, I still do not. I will probably not until they're like at least middle school. I probably won't let my kids watch it. It's a creepy movie. Or that part of it anyway. It's like, it's like you must give me your voice. And if you don't come back in time, I'll take your soul. <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't sound like Ursula. But. Well, just uh, don't let them watch Watership Down, then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stay off of the animal farm. I uh, I rented uh, Watership Down for free from the kids' blockbuster aisle. <laughs> yeah, in Blockbuster, the kids, the kids aisle. This that like, was a mistake. like Pet Cemetery Light. I w- there's nothing light about wa- Watership Down. <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it like Pet Cemetery level of disturbing? When it we comes should to do an episode on it. On uh, Watership Down, it's very disturbing. Yeah, I've never I've never seen it. Yeah, have you seen Pet Cemetery, the original? I have not. Is there lots of blood and gore and suffocation? Uh, no, no. Like you know, it's a. I mean, it's an '80s movie. You know, Stephen King. Did the animals' eyes pop out and bulge? I'm trying to remember what the most. If there were, if there were some gruesome parts that, that probably were somewhere in there, you know. But, but yeah, it wasn't. Now, if I'd watched it as a kid, that'd probably be a different story. But I didn't find it all that creepy. Um, you know, I've seen some other Stephen King stuff that's that's definitely higher up on that level now. Now I will say, it, and uh, and I'm thinking of the the made for TV version that came out in the night, which is actually really good. If you've never seen it, you should check it out. Um, I probably should. But it was a made for TV miniseries. Um, that came out in the '90s, and um, yeah, like I have not seen the newer it or or the sequel. Um, so I don't know how, how they compare, uh, but the original, you know, with Tim Curry playing it. Yeah, well, I have to watch it now. It's, it's pretty creepy. Like he's, he's very creepy as, as it. I had no idea that Tim Curry played it. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's, it's creepy. It'll give you nightmares. But yes, Watership <laughs> Down. <laughs> Oh, hot uh, me in my nightmares. Watership Down will make you cuss. <laughs> the animals cuss? No, it'll make you cuss. It'll make you cuss. <laughs> As an adult, you're probably going to watch it and just cuss. But like, Just like animal body horror or something? Like You, a, you saw this as a child? <laughs> no wonder you have PTSD. <laughs> PPSD, not PTSD. It's PPSD. PPSD? Post. <laughs> Post peed my pants. Stress disorder, no, yep. <laughs> syndrome disorder, a post-traumatic stress syndrome. So post pee my pants stress syndrome We should totally disorder, do a bonus episode me. on Watership Down if we can find it. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. I, I just want to see your reaction. <laughs> You're like, holy blankety blank. <laughs> bleep, bleep, 
bleep. What the that bleep? That is not a children's cartoon. <laughs> it is not. It would, should never have been in the children's section at Blockbuster. Yeah, somebody's just like, oh, it's a cartoon. Those are for kids, right? I'd like, rather. Have you seen The Simpsons? That's not for kids. I'd rather watch The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Treehouse for Horror. Or um, what's the uh, the ongoing? Uh, it's like a Tom and Jerry parody. Watership Down is an R-rated cartoon. Ooh, really? Yeah. Is R-rated or should be? Should be. It's how, uh, how old is it? Because I know it's like from the eighties, I think. Yeah, because like that's probably before they had a PG thirteen rating, because uh, PG the PG thirteen rating didn't come out until what the I think the late eighties. I'm just saying it's very mature. It huh. should be anyway. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> so, Star Wars Visions. Definitely not rated R. No, no, no. It's, um, I mean, a little more violent than Y7. You know, well, it depends on the episode. Like, the one you watched, told my, I mean, it has violence, but there's no blood or, or guts or anything. So it's, you know, it, um, I think for, for most kids, like, maybe seven, eight and above. It's probably okay. Um, some of the other episodes, maybe not quite as much, but. Um, oh, right. I was just joking because we were talking about Watership Down. But anyway, <laughs> yes, and very lacking of rabbits, except for that one episode in season one. Ocho and. Lob. Lop. Lop Ocho. I like that episode, too. Yeah, and there's there's some other really good episodes um on season two as well which i have not finished the season um i will be i will definitely finish it and trust me um i think they have one more episode uh to release um but yeah like uh i really enjoyed screechers reach and uh in the stars is hard to watch it's it's like uh it's, it's very very emotional um you and i we watched i am your mother uh, right before starting this which is done by Ardman Studios from the UK, uh, which I think they've gone full CGI, but it's still they they managed to make it look like claymation. Yeah. Well, you know they had that fire uh, sometime in the past decade or so that wiped out all their sets and claymation. So oh. I can understand why they would have gone to CGI. Dang, that sucks. Yeah, the whole where the, the whole studio burnt down. I think. Well, they must have rebuilt because I know. I know they have done some straight up claymation, like when they did with Early Man. Like I'm pretty sure that was cool. Back to claymation, I think. Uh, definitely looked like it. If if not, then they've gotten really good at at imitating it with CGI. I know their first attempt at that was Flushed Away, that movie they did. Um, oh, was that CGI? Yeah, that was CGI. And um, but yeah, like you were further back though to like uh, stuff like Chicken Run. And obviously Wallace and Gromit and all right. that. You can actually see the fingerprints on the clay and, and a lot of the early Wallace and Gromit. I uh, I haven't checked out any of their more recent work, but otherwise I've been a very big Artman Studios fan. Yeah, they do. They do an excellent job. Yeah, and they love cheese. Wensleydale. Not even Wensleydale. I I can't Gromit. do voices to save my life. Get off me, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Winsleydale. Winsleydale liked that so much that I think they contacted them and said, "Would you like to be a, s- a sponsor?" S- yeah, why not? Sponsors. <laughs> why not? Yeah, yeah. I'd never heard of that cheese before, so yeah, why not? Not even Winsleydale. 
No, I think my favorite of the early episodes were when they go to the moon and it's like made oh, of cheese. Yeah. And it, it's an homage as well to the very, I think the very first like motion picture, like full length motion picture, wasn't it? Journey to the Moon, I think it's called. Oh, interesting. So I think it was a bit of an homage to that, um, it, which it goes their own direction, but like a little bit of an homage to that. I didn't realize that. Yes, we studied uh, that old film. We watched it when I was in animation college. That's uh, the one where the scientists jump, get in the giant bullet, right? Get shot up to the Yeah, moon. it kind of looks like that. It's supposed to be a rocket, but yeah, it kind of looks like a giant bullet. <laughs> and then it lands on the face of the moon, like gives him a black eye or whatever. It's like, I can't remember. Were there moon knights in that, or am I thinking of something else? Moon knights? Like moon people. I don't know. I've never seen the whole thing. Like oh, I've only okay. seen clips over the years. Which, uh, that's something I need to rectify. Um, Yeah, classic films. That's something like we have not... We do a, a lot more like nerdy pop culture type type films, so we haven't dabbled as much into like what you might call the, the classics. Um, like I, I do like like more hardcore like you know like a, a film student made this right out of college kind of movies you know like there's quite a few of those i enjoy cool uh which there are some sci-fi ones that we could do like there's um uh midnight special by jeff nichols who incidentally not incidentally but like um graduated from uh, unca uncsa cool. uh, right up the street um excellent film school actually um and uh but yeah, that that's a really good uh, sci-fi film, and um, it's a very small story while also being a big story. If that makes any sense, like, and um, the sci-fi element is just a very slow burn, but um, there's a big payoff at the end, and it's like it's it's a really good film. Um, and I think that's the only sci-fi only thing he's done so far that would be considered sci-fi. Um, Adam Driver's in the film as well, actually. Oh, neat. Um, he does a good turn there. Uh, one of his early films, actually. And um, that's the guy who played Kylo Ren, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about his Kylo Ren performance. Then maybe he does too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how he feels. <clears throat> but yeah, um, he's definitely memorable, for sure. You know, like I mean, his face is just by itself is memorable. He's a very distinctive face. And even his voice, you know, in a lot of ways is, and and he's tall as well, so it's like you you don't miss him, you know, which I'm sure some, but he he's an excellent actor. Like I've I've seen him in in quite a few independent films. I think one of my favorite, like he's really good at comedy, uh, which you wouldn't necessarily expect if the first thing you saw him in was like Star Wars or Kylo Ren. Um, but um, he uh, got his start, I think, on a show called Girls, I think, which is a comedy comedy show. And uh, I've not seen any of the episodes of that, but uh, but he's also been in Logan Lucky, uh, which is hilarious. It's it's uh, it's like Ocean's Eleven, but with North Carolina rednecks. Um, oh, that sounds hilarious! It, it's great. And Daniel Craig um, plays a, a North Carolina redneck uh, who oh is, my good, gosh. is good with uh, homemade explosives. Like he can make his own explosives. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's great. You should check it out, Logan Lucky. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little quote from it that Adam Driver says, like, did you just say cauliflower to me? <laughs> did you just what? say? Yeah, you'll have to watch it to find out. 
what that means. <laughs> oh man, it's 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 great. His performance is is great in that. And um, but uh, another one that he's in that I really enjoy is called What If, which uh, also has Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan in it. Uh, all three excellent actors, and uh, it's hilarious. And um, not to be confused and, uh, with Marvel's What If. No, no, no. But it, yeah, it is called What If, and it came out before Marvel's What If. So, um, but yeah, it's really, really fun, like romantic comedy. Uh, my wife and I both enjoy it. It's it's very rewatchable. There's a lot of zingers and, and one liners in there. Like a like, <laughs> like he has he has one where he's like. His girlfriend has, has just left, and and he's left. He's there in the kitchen with Daniel Radcliffe's character, and uh, he's he's making nachos in the oven, and uh, he's pulling it out. So he's still got the oven mitt on his hand. It's like this floury oven mitt, and he's pulling out nachos out of the oven. And he sits down. He's just like, like slams the pan down. He's just like, I just had sex, and I'm about to eat nachos. It's the greatest day of my life. Sounds like it. Oh, the way he does it, obviously, is, is more hilarious. Uh, but yeah, very funny movie. So, Adam Driver, <laughs> good at comedy. Yeah, which, again, if the first thing you saw him in was Star Wars, you wouldn't necessarily expect. But if you've seen the Saturday Night Live skit where he plays the undercover boss, Kylo Ren, then you would know, you know, that, <laughs> that he's good at comedy. Uh, That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a funny skit. Which obviously he plays Kylo Ren, so he's like surly and like you know, but it, yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good skit. Well, nerds, uh, we've gone over our, our hour here. <laughs> so, Star Wars Visions, check it out. It's 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 be- beautifully animated and acted, and the, the music in many of the episodes is 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 great, and the the stories are wonderful, and uh, each one is its own self contained. A short film basically um that's an homage to the star wars universe and uh, i love it i love it i love the various takes and um i think several of the art styles uh, uh speaking like sith like i was thinking as we were watching i was like i would love to see an entire star wars movie in this art style that would be great um so maybe someday but to date though i don't know that they've done they've not done an animated stars star wars movie yet They've done obviously a, a lot of TV content, you know. An animated um, Star Wars movie? Yeah, not yet. Yeah, they did that. Did they? Yeah, the uh, the Clone Wars. The uh, that doesn't really count though, because it was just the first two episodes, wasn't it? It was in theaters. It was, but it wasn't really a movie oh. per se. Okay. Because you and I went to see that, and we were disappointed because we we're like, "It's the next Star Wars," and then it was just the pilot, basically, for <laughs> the Clone Wars. It was it's still good. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, but I think it was just like the first two episodes, you know, which was narratively tied together, but wasn't really a movie. But I guess that'd be uh, the closest. I, right. I guess that'd be the closest thing at this point. I guess it. I didn't realize. I knew that was a, served as a pilot, but I didn't realize it was just the first two episodes put together. Well, yeah, if you go back and watch the first two, it's like, oh, that's what we saw in theater. Huh. I think I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Because I've never seen it re-released in that format, you know, the way they released it in the theater. Like, but yeah, the advertising, like, it made it almost seem like it was a movie. I thought it was a movie. I didn't realize it was like the beginning of a TV series. And then that was like let down. I mean, now what I should have done in retrospect back then was start watching the series. You know, now I was like, I don't have time to catch up with this. <laughs> like, 
seven seasons. Yeah, but I just don't. I don't know if I have the patience. Maybe someday. Yeah. Do you ever just feel like, man, I wish older people had warned me about this before I got old too? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Like, which which part though? Well, I'm kind of over it, but I used to be like, I really wish people had just told me that. I can't finish college after I get married and get, start working a full-time job because I have a mortgage now, and I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> or at least not very easily. You know? Oh, you wish they told you, like, you know, life's going to be hard, love. You know, I'm, yes. so, I'm sorry to tell you, but it, it's going to be hard. It's going to suck sometimes, you know, and sometimes you're going to want to punch a hole in the wall. Sometimes you will punch a hole in the wall. And, you know, you, you just, you gotta you got to have plaster ready. you got to have some, some repair kits you know, waiting in the closet for when you have those really rough days. And, and maybe what might be better, you know, is buy a punching bag. Yes. You know what I mean? I destroyed my keyboard once. That was an expensive mistake. <laughs> Oops. Threw it across the room or something? Wham. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> you people at home can't see me right now. <laughs> well, we Americans, you know, especially those of us who descended from uh, white European ancestry, we have so much repressed emotion it's ridiculous um we're getting a little better i feel like as a as a people group at uh expressing those emotions and not holding them in all the time but yeah it's it's uh we have that history of like you gotta gotta keep it in keep a lid on it buttercup suck it up buttercup anyway <laughs> Anyway, we're kind of going all over the map here. Well, I hope that everyone at home has had just as much fun listening to this as we have rambling it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So check it out and then let us know what you think of the series itself. If you have a favorite episode, um, let us know. I'll try to put it in there as a poll. Uh, so yeah, just let us know um, which one's your favorite. Uh, and as always, we, we'd love to hear from you. And, uh, so next week is going to be our movie of the month episode. And uh, so we've got a few candidates in mind. Uh, one of the candidates, I'll just give you a little glimpse, is, is uh, the most recent Demon Slayer film, uh, which mm. I, or one of the most recent, I think it's, um, I believe this is now available for streaming on Hulu. So that's, that's one of the options out there, but we haven't nailed it down yet. So, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll be announcing that kind of with our normal schedule, usually around Sunday or Monday of the week of the release. We'll let you know, like, hey, this is what's coming up. Uh, so, yeah, just keep an ear out, our movie of the month episode. And uh, like I, uh, we are going to be releasing uh, for subscribers only a couple of episodes. The first one is going to be the Guardians of the Galaxy review that we recorded the day after seeing the film. Uh, so that's going to be for subscribers only. And uh, we're going to have another one coming down the pipeline before the month's over as well. So subscribers, uh, you'll see it pop up on your feed. I think it shows up on the feed in some other podcasting apps as well. But then it, it, it indicates that it's subscriber only. So you might still see it pop up. And uh, then you'll get some FOMO and hopefully you'll become a subscriber. So... <laughs> You don't want to miss out on these two guys and their dulcet tones, <laughs> waxing philosophical and, and irreverent. Yeah, you don't want to miss out on that, do you? No. We just have. 
We have so much fun. Toth and toads. Dolls toads. So, Gandalf, <laughs> you want to send us off? Oh, I'm Gandalf? Okay. Um, Do you think you can do Gandalf? I'm Saruman. Thou shalt not pass. <laughs> I am terrible with voices. <laughs> Run, you fools. Run. Call me when you want me to do Mario. <laughs> I can do Mario. Maybe. It's a me. It's a me, Mario. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> he is pretty good at that. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, we will see y'all next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. And until then, live long and prosper. Sayonara. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Reverend Nerds Podcast. If you would, consider following us on Instagram. We are there at irreverent underscore nerds. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Just look us up there at the Irreverent Nerds. That's our fan page. We have a YouTube channel as well. Once again, the Irreverent Nerds. Nice and simple, right? And if you go to www.irreverentnerds.com, that will send you to our podcasters for Spotify, formerly anchor.fm profile where you can send us a voice message if you want to support us financially or listen to the podcast it will also direct you to other places you can listen like spotify apple google stitcher you name it so like comment subscribe follow all those good things wherever you find us wherever you listen to us we would greatly appreciate it until next time nerds live long and prosper avengers assemble I'm Batman.